0: At the core, is is theology or doctrine of God, and the idea of a God who loves them and accepts them, who delights in them, that's very distant. It's often worth exploring that in our own lives when we do get overwrought and overstretched and burned out. What's our view of God in all this?
1: Welcome to The Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully and today I'm talking with David Murray. David serves as professor of Old Testament and practical theology at Puritan Reform Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids. He's also a pastor and the author of a number of books including Reset, Living a Grace-Paced Life in a Burnout Culture. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. David and I discuss the causes and the warning signs and the effects of burnout. And I think David has some wise, encouraging advice for all of us. Advice that might even change your life. Stick around to the end of the show to learn how to win a copy of David's book. Let's get started. David Murray, thank you so much for joining us on the Crossway Podcast.
0: Matt, it's great to be with you. Looking forward to chatting about this subject again.
1: Numerous studies over the last few years have shown that Americans generally, and I think Christians as well, are struggling to maintain a healthy pace of life. You know, Levels of stress and anxiety and depression are on the rise virtually across the board. Uh, in your book, you actually note a study that showed that something like 225 million workdays each year are lost due to just prevalent stress uh, mm-hmm. across the country. And I think this problem is, is particularly relevant for pastors as well, with we're seeing higher levels of depression and anxiety and stress contributing to Uh, to broken marriages, and division in the church, and just personal burnout in general. As you think about your own life, have you ever struggled with a season of burnout like this?
0: Yes, I have to confess, Matt, I'm speaking from a position of painful personal experience. Um, I suppose I've I've always been busy, always, always loved work, got much satisfaction from ministry. It's always been a joy and it it sort of can get too much of a good thing. And that happened to me when I moved to the U.S. 2007, a new job, teaching at the seminary, and ministry opportunities began to multiply over the next four or five years, not rapidly, but over a period of time, it just got more and more, and it's all good stuff, and it's all helpful, but eventually, I, was, I would have to say I was getting some signals from my body and from providence that I was going too fast, and eventually God actually just stopped me. Um, my my body caved in, you might say. Uh, I, the Lord allowed a, a deep vein thrombosis in my leg, which became pulmonary emboli, blood clots in my lungs, and these are often fatal. Uh, thankfully, my, my wife was wiser than I was, and help me get to the hospital and get good treatment. And I knew really immediately it was the Lord speaking to me and saying, David, you know, all this is good. It's good to write. It's good to speak. It's good to preach. All this is good, but give me your heart. Like, I just want to be with you. And I'd have to say in the busyness of ministry, I'm still doing personal devotions and all that, but yeah, heart had probably got cold and distant, maybe just formulaic, habitual with God. And so this was a big wake-up call to me, and I adjusted a lot over the next year or so, but have to confess that I allowed it to creep up again on me. And about three years after the first episode despite all the lessons I thought I'd learned, exactly the same thing happened again and ended up back in hospital again. And this time, I trust, (laughs) I I kind of took it as, okay, David, three strikes and you're out. Um, So you better learn this time. So I, I get how busy people are. I get how it's often really good things that are making us busy, but often at the expense of the best thing, which is, communion and fellowship with our Savior.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the the physical consequences of this burnout, these periods of burnout in your own life. You're married. You have five kids, I believe. Mm. Uh, what impacted those, did that season, and not just the, the time in the hospital, but even maybe leading up to that, what impact did that pace of life have on your relationships with mm. your family?
0: Yeah, I mean, I always really prioritize my marriage and my kids. But again, I would have to say, although I was spending time, I was taking a day off most weeks and spending at least parts of most evenings with my kids and my wife, it was rushed. It wasn't It wasn't high quality. It was stressed. I always felt, you know, almost like I have to be honest, I would say things like this to myself, I've got better things to do. So even the things like spending time with your wife and kids that should refresh and renew you were kind of. Becoming stressful themselves, and me and my wife, she's she's been through her own experiences of depression. She would, you know, she warned me and she you know, challenged me, but I always thought I would be the exception, and I wasn't, and no one is. And eventually, it catches up. And with me, it was physical. With other people, um, it can be emotional. With other people, it can be moral. People can, you know, end up in terrible sin immorality but but God uses different signals different warnings to to draw us back to himself so yeah tried to you know to to put my relationships with God and with my family above everything else now
1: yeah as you think about again that season did you find it hard to talk with your struggles with other Christians whether before or or maybe even after your your stints in the hospital.
0: Before, for sure, Matt. Yeah, I, I wasn't the kind of person. I come from Scotland, as you might have gathered, um, <laughs> and we don't we don't talk like we don't do the whole you know emotional thing. Put things out on the table. Let it all hang out. No, we we shut up. We we you know turn in on ourselves. So I was not good, even when I was kind of sensing things were not right um I didn't reach out for help but after immediately after the first episode I thought I believe I believe God has given me this for for not just my own benefit but the benefit of others so I immediately started blogging and doing interviews and writing and and really that's what led to the the book reset with Crossway and and I don't regret that at all and I from what I've seen and heard I think the fact that I've been very open and honest tried to be as transparent as I could about all this that it has um it's helped others to do the same it's helped others to to speak and and maybe seek help before the crisis comes into their lives
1: yeah as you started speaking about this both uh, in your own community your own church but also via your your blog and your website and interviews were you surprised by the response that you received?
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was, I knew it was bad, Matt, because you know, I, I mix a lot with pastors, especially men. I didn't think it was as bad as it is. And it actually, I think it's got worse even since what, 2011, 2012, when I first um, had my first episode of, of blood clots in my lungs. Um, I think there are more people addressing it and and working, but I think those who are not, their their situations are getting worse and worse. The demands of modern life, modern communications, uh, ministry expectations is only increasing, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Why do you think it is that you were maybe less aware of how prevalent the problem is? I think of a lot of, a lot of us, we, we're in the middle of our lives and we're kind of, struggling to hold on, trying to push through and, and do everything that we need to do. Uh, and it's easy to not really feel like other people are dealing with the same things. Uh, it seems like maybe they have things under control a little bit more. Why do you think that might be?
0: Yeah, I think number one, we're men. We don't talk so easily about weakness and frailty, vulnerability. So I think that, that, that works against us. I think also we tend to think that we are the exception. So like we see other people caving and collapsing and burning out, but we are going to be the different one. I think the third thing, and this was very much in my own experience, we're always promising ourselves that we'll get to this down the road. In fact, I remember the first, experience with blood clots I had. I was sitting in my chair in my living room and just felt this terrible pain across my chest. i just finished an incredibly busy season and I'd promised myself all through these months, you know, that Tuesday night, that's like the beginning of the new David and I'm going to really put things right and, you know, everything's going to be different. <laughs> and the Lord said, eh, no, actually, I'm going to put things right and I'm going to make things different. And so I think that that's often the case with us. We're always saying, okay, you know, if I can just go over this or just achieve this or just get this done, then. And, and by sort of the nature of um, work and business and ministry, it's never done. We never actually reach that point. Um, it's always, there's always more to be done. And so I think it's to realise that now is the time we are not the exception and you know listen to god's voice uh, and start talking because what what you notice when you do start talking is lots of other people start talking too and you begin to realize okay it's not just me you know this is this is a common problem so like you feel less weird as it were
1: yeah you talk to people and it seems like um in addition to those kind of common Reasons that that men might struggle to be honest about some of these things they're feeling, uh, even in the church, it seems that sometimes it's even harder to be transparent about uh, feelings of stress or anxiety or depression or just exhaustion. Uh, what do you think might contribute to that that unique challenge in the context of you know the Christian community?
0: I think there's two things. One is. Um Ministry is all good. So, you know, you might see somebody, you're working 18 hour days, six, seven days a week in a business, and it's like really obvious, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. But when it's a, a minister, um, a pastor, a counselor, it's all good stuff. It's all stuff, you know, directly for the Lord. And and therefore, it's much harder to to say en- en- enough it's it's all so good. It's all for the Lord. Therefore, how can I say no? And I think the other factor, the second factor, is um, we have a wrong anthropology. In this sense, that we we do not accept human limitations. We somehow think if we're in ministry, that you know we the the Spirit's willingness will always make up for the flesh's weakness and we don't take account of the fact that we have physical needs physical limitations that we're finite creatures and that we must care for our bodies and our minds especially if we're to flourish spiritually so the idea i think is very common that if i'm doing ministry stuff and i'm really focused on the spiritual that the physical will all be fine that's that's False. It's not how God has made us. He's connected our bodies and our souls and our minds, intertwined them so much that you just cannot it, neglect the physical and expect this the spiritual uh, not to suffer alongside. So I think to, we need to sort of address these these two areas.
1: Yeah, related to that second point that you noted, it makes me think of uh, a passage Second Corinthians eleven where Paul, he kind of lists out some of the the difficulties that he's faced in his life. He, he mentions labors and imprisonments mm-hmm. with countless beatings and often near death. And he he notes that he subjected himself to danger and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst, often without food. And he goes on to even note the daily pressure that was on mm-hmm. him and his anxiety for his churches that he was ministering to. You know, Paul doesn't seem like someone who was very concerned about pacing himself. Uh, what what should we think about his example and, and others like that in Scripture?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's easy to look at, say, a, a section like that and, and impose 21st century life on it and say, see, you know, Paul never rested and therefore we should never rest. Um I think there are other passages in Paul, for example, 1 Corinthians 6, where he teaches the importance of stewarding the body, caring for the temple of the Holy Spirit, um, using using the body in careful ways that that maintain it and renew it and refresh it. And I think another thing is to remember the, the example of the Lord Jesus. He, yes, was very much engaged in ministry but he took time out, he rested, he encouraged his disciples to do the same. So there were there's no question that there were times in Paul's life where there you know it was the most stressful times of his life. but I think it would be a mistake to say that was the case all the time because those who have tried to do this all the time um, eventually collapse. You know, often I I work obviously at Puritan Reform Seminary and oftentimes Puritan's reformers examples are held up, look, you know, Calvin worked 25 hours a day, eight days a week, therefore so should we. Yeah, well, Calvin was very limited for large parts of his life due to ill health. Other people like who tried to live like that amongst Puritan's reformers, they died young. Charles Spurgeon spent the last third of his life, eh, much of it in the south of France, recovering from depression, and other physical ailments. You know, we're not told the other side of the story, and now that's not to say that there are, ex- there are exceptional times in our lives, and there are um, the, the there's the odd person in church history who is the exception to the rule. But we shouldn't make exceptional times the general rule, and we shouldn't make the very rare exceptional person the rule for ourselves. I think the. The examples all around us far more common of people who exceeded normal human limitations for too long. They eventually suffer ill health or die young, and therefore they ultimately lose ministry opportunities and usefulness and productivity. Mm.
1: Yeah, it seems almost a universal human tendency to, as we think about our heroes, uh, whether they're theological or pastoral or not it's easy to be drawn to people who do seemingly extraordinary things and, and give themselves in an extraordinary manner. Uh, and we're, we're drawn towards that. Why do you think it is that we, we can be so fascinated by that and yet um, maybe not pay as much attention to the tolls that those things uh, took on them or the impact it had on their families or other parts of their lives?
0: I think part of the time we're not told the other side of the story, you know, there, a lot of biographies have been very hagiographical and it's very much focused on the positives but ignored the negatives. You know, you think even if somebody like uh, David Livingstone, whose example is held up for as a remarkable missionary, and in many, many, many ways he was. But there's another side to David Livingstone's story. You know, he left his wife for two years uh, virtually unprovided for, she ended up in a in a sanatorium. Um, she took to alcohol, and and I mean I could multiply stories like that about other people who are still heroes in our in our own culture. And I think it's it's sort of unfair of biographers to to only hold out, and for mass ministers too to only hold out, you know, the the incredible um, service, but not actually tell the whole truth and from my own research is every time I've looked into it you know either yeah marriage has suffered you think of the Wesleys um, or, or children were neglected and you know there's so many you can look at you know that the the children of the godly 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 man eventually ended up in total unbelief and terrible depravity and um, so I, I think we need to we need to realize that there's an, another side of the story
1: in your own experience counseling christians struggling with burnout do you often find that there are other theological problems or misunderstandings or um imbalances that impact their their um their too fast-paced
0: mm. lives yeah so i mentioned anthropology but at the, at the core is, is theology or doctrine of God and I think uniformly the, the men that I whose, whose lives I've been involved with, often very godly men, devoted men, really wonderful pastors, totally dedicated to the people of God, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, they, their view of God is rather skewed when you actually start digging in and, and, and it's it's like God is as a taskmaster, God is a slave master, God who is never satisfied God who is always demanding more and the idea of a God who who, who loves them and accepts them, who delights in them, who enjoys them, who loves to provide for them who 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 takes great pleasure in their company, their fellowship, That's very distant, often in their in their view of God, and I think again, you know, it's just it's often worth exploring that in our own lives when we do get overwrought and overstressed and burned out. You know, what's our view of God in all this? And again, I think a lot of times God is not in it. It, it, If we're honest, Matt, I think uh, you know I always want to challenge people. Really, who's Who are you serving here? Is it yourself? Is it your own reputation? It's very easy to dress up spiritual ambition um, in a very, very godly way. uh, But at the core of it is selfish ambition. And it's about me and and my name and my reputation. And so I think we want to really search our own hearts as to our view of God uh, and our our view of our role our service and and the big why the big motivation why i'm doing this maybe just one other thing you know one of the things touch on the book is the whole question of identity and who we are before god i i say that is the second most important question in the world the first one being who is god but the second one is who am i and again, a lot of a lot of problems. I've noticed this increasingly in counselling, whether it's depression, anxiety, burnout, stress, um, even marriage problems. A lot of it comes down to false identities, wrong answers to the question "Who am I?" And I think when we begin to get that one right, from a biblical perspective, and it's a question Paul addresses repeatedly in his epistles then you can really begin to get some deep work done that will have some lasting, lasting fruit.
1: Yeah, it seems that Christians can sometimes fall into two camps when it comes to thinking about the causes of burnout uh, and then perhaps the remedies as well. On the one hand, there are some who might think that the real underlying problem is ultimately kind of purely spiritual in nature. There must Hmm. be something wrong or unhealthy about your spiritual life that is causing this stress or anxiety or discouragement. Uh, On the other hand, some people might tend to think that the answer is typically more self-care of some kind, whether that's uh, more me time or a vacation or Mm -hmm. learning to say no to people. Um, What do you think about that dichotomy and how we often think about this and where people often fall?
0: Yeah, we need to address both with people. And, and usually the answers it's a mix of, of the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the relational. And I, I don't want to rule any area out. You need to talk to people, you need to hear them talk, you need to hear what their assessment is. You need to look at the evidence, you know, maybe talk to their loved ones. Get a, build a big picture of their lives, not dive in with our answers before we've asked questions and you know even uh, they they often go together what's chicken and what's egg is is sometimes really hard to figure out because they get so mixed up so I, I just tend to address all these areas you know, look in all these doors of people's lives and in my own life too of course and try and examine and, and find answers that it's, it's usually not a simple answer it's, it's usually complex and um, try to try, try to do things in a in a holistic way and i think you know even if it is a self-care thing and people need more rest it, it's always with a view to renewed service so refueling topping up filling up it's never selfish you know self-care can be selfish and again want to get to that question is the why why do i take a day of the week why do i you know discipline myself with digital technology why do I take a vacation why do I the the answer is because I need to refuel to serve again not refuel just to have a comfortable life so again I, I don't like the the dichotomy that's often drawn between self-care on the one hand and and spiritual service on the other
1: do you see modern technology playing a unique role in pushing
0: us to do more than we should? I think it's probably, um, a factor in every burnout and maybe the main factor in many burnouts. I think what modern technology has done and I love it. I just, I'm a technophile myself. I have to watch this all the time. It's, it's increased our accessibility. And it's increased our possibilities. So we we receive many, many, many times more communications than we ever did before the iPhone in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, whenever it came out. That's that's objectively measurable. It's you know somewhere in the region of about you know for every letter or phone call communication you received in the past, we have about forty to fifty mm-hmm. today. So that's massive, but it also has opened up so many possibilities of ministry and 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 just information. You know, we used to I used to buy a daily newspaper. That was it. That was my daily information intake every day. I usually get home too late to watching television news or whatever. That's when I was working in finance. Uh, but now it's nonstop and it's multiple sources and it's a lot more the emotional temperature is much higher, you know. So I think you think back to mainline newspapers, there was a sobriety, there was a calmness, there was yeah, there were opinions expressed, but nothing like at the rate and at the intensity and the temperature of modern media, whether it's TV or, or internet. And then you add onto that the fact that we're now all not just media consumers, but media creators we are all media people in a sense that we never were before. So now we have online ministries, online personas that we are managing daily. And that has, again, just massively increased the the pressure uh, to maintain and keep communication going. So on all these fronts, there's, there's just been, and I I think we're, we're, all of us are still at the front edge of this digital revolution. It's, it's, we're not quite sure yet the impact of it all, but I think generations will look back on our generation. And just as we do, people who lived through the industrial revolution, which took about 50 years, whereas this taken about 10, and wonder, you know, what were they doing? And just, I think, I think it's happening already, even in secular thinking. There's a lot more awareness of we need some really decisive, radical action. If you look at the the rates of depression, anxiety in our teens, it's just unbelievable the increase over the last 10 years. And this is reaping what we have sown. Maybe
1: someone's listening right now and they're wondering, maybe even suspecting that they might be headed towards burnout of some kind. What are some of the most common warning signs that person could start looking for?
0: Hmm. Yeah, in in recent, I spent a chapter on this, looking for these warning signs, and you know, we look at the physical warning signs, emotional, mental, spiritual, relational, um, and it varies for different people. I think God God puts warning lights in our lives d- depending on who we are. For me, it was physical for my wife say during her time of um loss and suffering it was it was more emotional uh, for others it's moral so you know to maybe pick some sample ones maybe some of the most common uh, for for men i think uh, sleeplessness cutting back in sleep if you're down to 6 hours or less a night that is objectively sleep deprivation there's something wrong there and and you'll eventually suffer for that i think if you are um, missing personal devotions cutting down on them or they've just become very formulaic again that's a warning sign you're sort of rushing through this to get to what seems like more important matters um uncontrolled i think what we talked about a, a lack of discipline and digital technology is often like what's going on there why am i pulling this phone out every traffic stop and um, every time i'm standing in line um, I don't allow any moments of boredom. I'm even you know, in the bathroom, um, there's something wrong here. That this is a flashing light. I think if we're if we're you know pushing moral boundaries, in, say in technology, curiosity is leading us into certain websites, things like that. Again, that's indicating where we're, we're wandering. Our our spiritual temperature is low. Our closeness to God is far away. Um, for for women, I think the the emotion is often uh, weeping, sadness. Whereas men, it's anger. So men who are always in conflict with other people, it just everything seems to be aggressive. That's a that's a big warning sign for women. Maybe more crying, again without apparent reason. um where where is your marriage at? Has it just become very functional, very just? existing what's going wrong there you know we married this person because we want' to spend time with them and enjoy them we couldn't wait to be with them and now maybe finding reasons to avoid or minimize time even with them we're not really having close connection fellowship and um, I think and one other area Matt I would say is how we're using the one day in the week the Lord gives us for rest and renewal. Are we eating into that with with work and other activities that are draining us rather than renewing us? You know, Jesus said, "I made this day uh, for you, for humanity, for your good." Um, is it being used for our good, or are we just you know following our own agenda again? It's really no different from any other day in the week, apart from maybe an hour in church. So these these kinds of areas, I would say, if you're not taking vacations anymore or you're mixing vacations and work. All of these things are flashing lights and not, not, maybe not one of these would be a, a bad thing, but it's when they come in twos and threes and fours, when there are various lights flashing, then we have to hit the brakes and say, okay, I'm going over the cliff sooner, or I'm going to crash unless I do something fast.
1: What encouragement would you offer to the person who, who hearing you talk today is pretty certain that they are in a season of burnout. They're pretty certain that uh, they are experiencing some things in their life that are the direct result of of running too hard, trying to do too much, neglecting the more important things in their life. Uh, What encouragement or advice would you offer that person?
0: I think the first thing is to give hope that there's a better life. I think when we're in that, although there are, there's satisfaction in it, accomplishment, achievement, productivity, on the whole, we're miserable. We're nowhere near the kind of level of joy and satisfaction that we could be at. And we've often forgotten what that's like. And we're trundling along. Maybe it's been a very attritional, long-term thing when we've really forgotten what it was like to live happily and joyfully and in relationship with God and others. So I often say to people, look, I know this looks bad at the moment, and you think of all the things you're going to lose, you've got to decide to chop this off or stop doing that, and you think of all the losses. Actually, on the other side of this is great gain and great life and joy again eh, with God, with with your family, with your wife, and, and a far better, healthier relationship to work and ministry included. And I think, you know, the men I've carried through this, helped through this, And I'm speaking for myself too. There's just there's just a much better way to live on the other side of this that is is actually even more productive. Because I think what a lot of us are trying to do is do the sowing and the watering and the reaping. And and God says it's Him that does the, the the watering and especially gives the increase. And that's a wonderful thing to see. When you actually stop striving, God starts blessing. When we come with our loaves and fishes. Say, Lord, this is it, this is what I've got, this is my limitation. And then see him do the multiplying. <laughs> That's a wonderful experience to live through. And you kind of again you look back and say, What was I doing? Like thinking, I was God, I was the multiplier, I was the increaser. So it it there's a great life ahead, not not loss, but gain. And using the means God has provided, and He's provided lots of means, it can be attained. enjoyed
1: Hmm. thank you dr murray we appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit about your own story and your own journey through uh, a season of burnout and the things that god
0: has taught you uh coming out of that thank you matt for the opportunity to tell my story share from my own painful lessons hopefully prevent others from following me down that track
1: That was David Murray discussing the all-too-common problem of burnout and how to avoid it. For more, be sure to check out his book with Crossway, Reset, Living a Grace-Paced Life in a Burnout Culture, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review, and then click the link in the show notes to enter to win a copy of David's book. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel through publishing gospel-centered, Bible-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.